And now, The Rika Show, presented by Rika Technologies with your hosts, Cynthia Delaria, Daryl Brogdon, and Grant Parks. Hello, everybody. This is Rika Technologies. Grant, Daryl, Cynthia, we are back. Uh, this week, we are talking about privacy. And specifically, not, not just, you know, is somebody looking in the window right now? I don't know. Uh, but how has technology impacted our expectations around privacy, um, how we view privacy today versus how we viewed it even just 15 or 20 years ago prior to this explosion of social media and uh, devices everywhere and, and all these different channels and, and things like that. So, um, so we're just going to jump right in. Was cookies like the first thing that kind of gave the people on the other side a way to start spying on you? Cookies? Yeah. That's a really good question. Browser cookies? I, I think probably so. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I think it took a little while. It probably took several years before the marketers realized, oh, we can use this to track people to the level that they do now. But Yeah. Um, when was that? What, cookies? Yeah. The, the cookie spec came out in like 96 or 7, I think. Okay. We'll okay, so if so, so if we go back, what is that now? Is that almost 20, 25 years? 23. 23, 23 years. Wow. Almost I don't 25. want to admit that I was an adult and remember that. Um, I wasn't an adult. <laughs> but you're you still not an adult. <laughs> All right, so prior to cookies, so so we've sort of set like this this kind of shift with the cookie, which I kind of like that. Prior to that, it was really like you had Nielsen t- Nielsen index TV boxes, but that was that was based on watching habits. But there was also the the survey that went with it. I don't know if you guys ever ever interacted mm-hmm. with one of those or I saw that in action. With it. Um, but there was a lot that was based on self-reporting too. You know, the boxes were actually very infrequent and mostly it was asking questions and having people keep a journal. Mm-hmm. And what's funny is in an episode of the West Wing and our little outtakes, sometimes we talk about the West Wing. We all love the show. We've seen it many, many times. Hi, David. <laughs> That's David, everybody. Dr. Opperman, Colorado Voice Clinic. Um, free advertising. Woohoo. Um, what was I saying? West Wing. West Wing, yes. So sometimes <laughs> you will hear us talk about this show. We love this show. And one of the things that they talk about in one of the episodes, I forget what the episode was actually about, but they talk about how the journals where people self-report what kind of TV they're watching, what kind of radio are they listening to, like what are their habits, tend to trend towards people want to sound smarter than what they really are. And not that people are dumb, but that they think watching... Sesame Street or watching Julia Child on PBS makes them seem smarter than yeah. watching Desperate Housewives, right? Right. So, I would, um, have, I would have used Bachelorette, but Bachelorette, whatever. Fine. You know who who wants to be a millionaire? Yeah. I don't even. I don't watch TV. I, just disclaimer. I, I watch what's on Netflix. Yeah. And usually I'm about 10 years behind on anything. And you watched The West Wing on Netflix? I did. I did. I watched. <laughs> well, actually, I own the net, the entire West Wing series on DVD. Yeah, me too. In the pretty boxes with the. And uh-huh. when I the first time I watched it was on DVD, and I didn't know that it was two sided DVDs. Oh really? So you so missed like I w- six episodes. I watched the first half of the of the first season, <laughs> like with these huge chunks where I'm like, 
what was that? Did I totally miss it? You know, because I like to watch TV when I'm like painting or Why writing is code or whatever. Why in the hospital all of a sudden? Yeah, I'm like, wait, <laughs> what just happened? And then it was it was at that point that I realized you had to flip the disc over to watch the next four. And I had to go back and, yeah, so. That's something they missed from DVDs is to put at the end, please flip Yeah. <laughs> well, they might have, but I never watched right. through all the, you know, the, what you would call it, the credits. Um, anyway, so I would say prior to, and you're probably right, cookies has got to be it. Because the, the modern web, the way that we think of it now and the way people started to shop and interact and stuff where it was like, oh, there's all this stuff happening. We should be aware of it really wasn't until the mid to late 90s. Yeah. Which I think is what precipitated sort of the dot-com boom. And it was one of the first, if, if I recall, it was one of the first ways you could maintain state. You know, since HTTP was designed as a stateless system, right. we realized if we're going to use use this for building applications, we've got to maintain some kind of state. And a lot of, a lot of, of, of the back-end things, yeah. uh, back-end well, I guess you could say, I mean... Before that, at least, you still had the po- possibility of tracking people's navigation through your site. Right. If you had server pages, yeah. that's really the best you could do is yeah. just say, oh, they went from this page to this page to this page just by access logs and such. But and there really was no do. storage of anything on the client side at that point. I mean, again, without cookies, even, even this concept of like local storage. Yeah. Oh, that's, that didn't exist. That did not no. exist. No, they didn't exist until the late, early, uh, you know, like 2008, Zero. 2009, I think. Yeah. Oh, the late aughts. The late aughts. That's, yeah, that's late the aughts. Right phrase. Yes. So fast forward to today, if I am on a website and I think I might want to buy something from there and I add it to my shopping cart mm-hmm. and I leave and come back two weeks later, they still have that I might want that in my shopping cart. Mm-hmm. And they have they have all these ways of trying to convince me that, yes, you do actually want to buy this, whether it's they're buying ad space for anybody who's visited their website and put something in the cart but didn't actually buy it. That seems super invasive. Well, let's be real. They're, 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 they're monitoring the voice, too. <laughs> you know, Forget about getting the carts, for, for goodness sake. Because these I mean, phones are listening to us. Enough people are anecdotally reporting that, yeah. You know, I've had it happen. We had it it's happen in the office. Stuff. So so uh, David, <laughs> the doctor who just walked by. Colorado Boys um, Clinic. Colorado Boys Clinic. <laughs> uh, he and I, he's my fiance, and we bought a purple bed last summer. And he had been talking about it for like six months before that. Well, he was talking about it in the office where we work, which is in, in the same building as his office. And Grant was sitting there listening, whatever, Grant didn't search on it. He, it. His computer was just in the vicinity of us talking about this. And your phone. Your phone and your was probably phone. next to you. And your experience was that that night you went home, and all of a sudden there were ads for the purple bed everywhere. Yeah, before I got home. Before you got home. We should test this sometime. We should like put our phones in the microwave, turn the computers off, put them somewhere, and then agree... Okay, we're going to go in the room and we're going to talk about this product yeah. that we think someone might want to sell. Something that, you know, and, and you have to you have to figure out something that would not have come up in regular conversation right. that we didn't search for on one of our computers. Yeah. And then go in, back in the office, have our phones out. Which the fact that we have it. to work that hard right. to do this test tells you how far into our lives these companies now live where they right. never could before. Well, and that's part of the test that I want to do because I have... 
I have a giant host file that block because you know me in Facebook. Yeah, I block every every fa- every domain Facebook owns. Yeah, and and so I'm I'm curious to see out of the three of us, what does it look like for us later when we talk about this product? Do you see anything? You're kind of in the middle, and you yeah, know, maybe not. I don't. Need, and you well because you have an iPhone. Yeah, you have Android. It's, and I actually, I actually that? am on social media accounts, not because I would say probably n- none of us are really super active in social media. I am because the businesses are. Yeah. So I'm probably the yeah. most active, and probably more so in Instagram and LinkedIn than you guys are. I think Grant's probably a little bit more on the Facebook side. You probably aren't at all, really. Uh, more LinkedIn lately, LinkedIn, but otherwise, yeah. not yeah. a whole lot. So Instagram it would be a really but... interesting a really interesting experiment if you could really know that this was a, this topic we're talking about could not have been picked up in any other way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I often wonder, you know, we have, an, uh, we're right now in my house. Uh, this is my office in my home. And you can see, oh, behind the duck behind me <laughs> is an Echo Dot. Uh, we have two regular Alexa, uh, Amazon Echoes. We have she like four, go back to sleep, Alexa. Uh, we have like four Echo Dots, and then we have an Echo Show, mostly because da- Dr. Opperman of Colorado Voice Clinic <laughs> is he's a, he's a device nerd. I think he's we need a, to start charging him nerd. for this free sponsorship <laughs> of our. I work uh, in the White House. <laughs> My name is Josh Lyman, and I work in the White House. And uh, anyway, so he he loves devices. He loves technology. He loves he loves gadgets, and so we always end up with this stuff whenever it comes out, and so it's all over our house. And it makes me wonder... Go get the flamethrower. Oh, yeah. yeah, We do have a boring (laughs) flamethrower. That was one of those uh, Elon Musk needed to raise a million bucks, so he sold a bunch of these, and David managed to get a hold of one. And funny story, it came with a $5 bill in the box with a note that said, I'm sending you this $5 bill because I'm not allowed to send natural gas or propane through the mail. Right. (laughs) Because butane is a bastard gas. Because butane, yeah. Uh, but but it's kind of terrifying that we would have to work that hard to objectively test this theory. So, the, but this this segues into: Did you hear about the family with with the baby monitors and, and the nests? No, they got hacked. Uh-uh. And this this hacker was talking to their baby through the baby monitor, and they're that freaking out. Creepy. And the next thing you know, they they realize he's watching them through their nest cameras. Oh my god! And he starts telling them, "Look look at me! Look at me!" And, of course, they're rightly freaking out. Wow. Right? I, I haven't read too much in, uh, about the details, but my understanding is Google denied that they had been hacked, which what little I read strikes me as a little bit of a, okay, well, yeah, Google, you weren't hacked, but a product that you make clearly was hacked. I mean, that was these people's experience, right? I mean, right. with something like Nest, which we also have in our house because, hello, gadgets, um, go-go gadgets. <laughs> Are they watching us? Uh, yeah. Are these hackers watching us right, right? now? With something like that, uh, the best way to put it is the only server that's secure is one that's not plugged in. Yep. Right? There's no power going to it. It can't power on. So the question is, if somebody just gets close enough to where they're on the same network as you are, or and they can hack my router password, all of a sudden everything inside my network now becomes much more easily accessible whether Google has really locked down Nest or not, right? right? And so there's there's relying on these services that exist outside of my microcosm of my house and my network, and then there's how easy is it for somebody to get inside my network and then have access to all that stuff. 
And some of this, it should it should be brought up. It was probably a little bit of the fault of the family because mm. let's face it, when they set up these cameras, they probably used some password like password or ABC one two three, yeah. right? Something that was easy to guess because so many people do. So you know, I think people need to be educated and they need to ed- educate themselves on how, how do you pick how to, a secure password? Right. How do you how do you protect yourself? Yeah. Uh, you know, these are, these are the base level things you need to do to make sure that you're protected. And everything's so plug and play now, right? Like right. Nest, if you have any other Nest device, or even if you don't, it can educate other devices about your network. So mm-hmm. with plug and play, you don't even have to be smart or like understand very much about how you're on. setting it up. You plug it in, you open up the app, you do your thing, and all of a sudden now this device is connected and has the ability to connect other things to it. Mm-hmm. And so it's just this really interesting dynamic of like, yeah, it's really easy to have tech now and you don't have to be an engineer or a computer programmer or whatever to have this stuff. You don't even have to be wealthy. Right. I mean, these devices are 50 bucks. You can get an internet connected camera in your house. You know? And we as developers should be thinking about that. We, uh, us as developers, us three have been thinking about that with PubTech, right? How yes. can we make this device as easy as possible to get connected for people who clearly are not technical right. and and it's going to be, you know, they're going to take it back to the store if it's hard. Right. But how do you find but that balance? But how do you also protect them? How do you protect how, them? How do you help make sure that you aren't the source of somebody getting access to something that they shouldn't? Right. And then when you take this one step further and say, okay, this is even a device like your cell phone that's out in the world with you everywhere, how do you further protect that? Because yeah. it's not just my network. Now it's a cellular network. It's other Wi-Fi hotspots like at my bookstore or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, Starbucks, Barnes & Noble. Um, so you just, just have a, to trust people. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, and do you trust people, Grant? It's more like um, I, I kind of resign myself. of like, yeah, I could be spot anything. Anything I do outside of my body can be spied on in some way. And sometimes I just, you know, go, hmm. Yeah. It's just the way it is. So then that's the flip side is now we're starting to see this trend, I think, especially in younger generations who have always had social media in their lives, Mm. your kids, our kids. There's this trend of what I expect in terms of privacy has changed, right? Like, like I've heard my stepdaughter say, you know, I'm like, well, aren't you concerned that somebody might overhear this conversation that you're having with your girlfriends? And she's like, why would that matter? Like, she doesn't have an expectation of privacy when she's talking to her friends on FaceTime mm-hmm. or, or, or on her cell phone. Whereas, yeah. you know, when, when I was a kid, it was like that, that was a very private, I hid in my room, you know, nobody could hear me. Right. I wasn't worried about somebody overhearing my conversation or eavesdropping on my conversation, whether from my parents or, or some marketing company, you know, or Apple or Google or whatever. Mm -hmm. Which is troubling because a lot of these poor kids who are acting like kids now in the next 15 years are going to start doing things like running for office and wanting to get jobs and that stuff is going to come back and they're not going to get that office. They're, they're not going to get that job. The person interviewing him is in the same boat probably. (laughs) Yeah, but, that's, I don't think that's going to matter so much, you know. The, yeah. the court of public opinion is going to go, I can't believe you did that when you were 15. Right. When in reality, we all think, I think we all need to step back and go, hey, he was 15. 
Right. Is he like that now at 35? So now you've got this whole life from the time, pretty much from the time you're born, because I, I know a lot of the things I see on Facebook have to do with people taking pictures of their babies and their kids yeah. and, you know, whatever. Your whole life now exists in this, in this way that can never, never, you can't, you can't undo get that. away from it. And that's, I think that's another thing that, that they don't realize. A lot of people don't realize is once it's on the internet, it ain't coming off. No. You can delete it. You can think you deleted it. But it's still there. So yeah. is it like now everybody has a biography? Pretty much. Because that, when you think about it, I mean, that concept that would be rare. Few people could you look at from the outside and know their life, know mm-hmm. their stories. Mm-hmm. But you can now for well, anybody. And even in the case of a biography or an autobiography, there's an editor. There's things you say and things you don't. Things you put in print. Things you don't. The mic is always hot. The mic is all that's, I think that's the thing we're coming to, which is the mic is always hot. Yeah. Whether you think you're in front of one or not. Right. And, and just because, you know, I hear people say, Oh, I have nothing to hide. To which I reply, (laughs) to which I reply, do you close the door when you go to the bathroom? Do you have curtains on on your windows? And you do because you have perfectly benign things that you hide from people because it's none of their business. And perfectly reasonable expectations of privacy. But every time technology creates something, and usually under the guise of being more convenient for you or this makes your life easier or whatever it is, you give away a little bit more of that. Right. And that's the thing that scares me, and especially you know us older generations and our parents and our grandparents, is we get scared, yeah. We get scared because we remember what Excellent. it's like to be able to have your privacy. Yeah. And we, we know that that's something that we have always valued. Right. It's, it's really kind of astonishing to, you know, I used to be able to think that, well, if I leave my house and go somewhere, as long as I'm not, not in a public place, mm-hmm. I don't go to a mall or a bank or whatever, I'm free, I'm unmonitored, I'm untethered. And now there's enough cameras around that I feel like, you know, if you made a trip across town to commit a crime and you took a bus and you got off and you walked to here and you took a test, that it, it would be, somebody would be able to put that, put together, that together and trace your whereabouts reasonably through that, well, that whole, whole trip. There was a movie, uh, it was it Enemy at the Gate? It had Will Smith and Enem- Enemy, Enemy of, of the State. State. Enemy of the State. Yeah. And yeah. that came out, what, 20 years ago? Yeah. And now you you watch that movie and, and you're like that is 100 percent doable. Right. Well, I was well, watching 100%. a show last night. Uh, uh, the it was just crimes on closed circuit TV. It was kind of like that was the thing, and it was all in England. And they you know they have these whole guy, sets of guys set up in front of monitors with, with phones. And it was but you could see how effective it was for yeah. them because yeah. this guy's watching the front of a whole bunch of pubs. And two guys come spilling out and they're shoving and somebody's like, oh, you know, so before it turns into anything big, he's yeah. already got people heading there. Yeah. I mean, it, and they're just kind of, it's it's sort of like having a bunch of playground monitors. And as long as these guys, the thing is, it, you know, playground monitor, benign, right? Yeah. Very benign. They're not here to learn anything or know anything or judge. It's just, you know, there's something. But how are how can people be that way? Yeah. How can you rely on people to be that unbiased and and unmotivated unmotiv- in other ways? But you know, if the system works the way it should, right. it looked it looked like wow, that's really effective. Yeah. I mean, they monitor everything. 
one of the shows I just got done watching on Netflix, and I know it's old, so am I. Uh, Person of Interest. Did you guys yeah, watch that? I've never watched it. Okay, so it's actually a really good show and very engaging and really who's, fun. Who's in that show? Uh, the guy who played Jesus. Uh, Jim Caviezel. Cav- okay, I know Caviezel. what you're talking Is that about. how you say his name? No? You don't know. There's a camera right there, so just don't hit it or make noise. Yeah. What did I say? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, anyway, this show is predicated on these two guys got together and had this idea that if they could track everything that was going on, they could prevent oh. crime and they could prevent acts of terrorism and they could prevent people being murdered. And the the system sort of evolves. He calls it the machine. Uh, but the system kind of evolves to where it starts to spit out relevant crime. So, so it's... Um, social security numbers of people who are either in danger or who are going to commit crimes or commit acts of terrorism and and the, the machine's now judging what's relevant and what's not and and it just is a it's just an interesting it, there's cameras everywhere in this world right yeah. like there's there's uh, nothing that isn't seen and nothing that can't be discovered wasn't there a tom cruise movie minority report yeah yeah when that one That's was actually uh, they were prosecuting people for the things pre-crime. Yeah, pre-crime. Yeah, before pre-crime. they did them. Yeah, before they did them, and they could actually like put people in prison for something that the precogs said they were going to do, whether I, it actually. I'd be one happened. pre-release. Yeah. <laughs> from prison. <laughs> I pre-did my time. Now pre-get me the hell out of here. <laughs> uh, that seems a little shaky. Yeah. yeah. But what's interesting is here we are. Minority Report that came out. That was early 2000s, wasn't it? Was it was like 2000, 2001, 2002, yeah. somewhere around there, yeah. Here we are, ni- you know, 19, somewhere between 15 and 20 years later. Yeah. How close are we? And now we have drones. Right. Yeah, using AI and, and, and predictive analysis, how, how far away are we really Facial from something going? I'm pretty sure I'm, I'm within X percentage of level of confidence. I think this guy is going to try to kill somebody. Yeah. Okay, so what do we do about that? Right. You know, and we're all giving off all of this information already. We're just publishing it out there for free to Facebook and whoever. And it's, it's some system is consuming that and analyzing that and probably connecting the dots and yeah. going, everybody that does this, this, and this, and this t- tends to try to shoplift at Macy's or whatever. I don't right, know. Right, right. So it's interesting. Is there, so last thoughts? We'll just go around the room, and and I'll preface it with a couple questions. So, what should companies be aware of that would help consumers and everyday people feel a little bit better about this? And how can I, as a consumer, everyday person, protect my own level of privacy to my comfort level? Is that even possible anymore? And whatever else. Last thoughts, Daryl. Um. I don't know that companies, I, I hate to say this, but I don't think companies can be expected to compel themselves to do it. Mm. Um, that said, there is a groundswell of people who, who are becoming more and more aware of their privacy, and, and hopefully they'll start demanding that of companies. Um, I would add that during the first six months of 2018, the equivalent of, two, of 291 records, which includes medical, credit card, and financial or personally identifiable information, was stolen every second. 291 records every, every second. Every second for the first six months of last year. Yikes. So 
you know, yeah, if you think that's you, big maths right there, people go do you that math. Think your your privacy is is nothing to be concerned about. It is your private information has already been stolen. Yeah, guaranteed. Yeah. Okay. Good. Last words, Grant. Yeah, companies won't do it um, themselves because you know, I mean, you've got you've got, always got to create a profit motive for that, and there's there've been so many efforts. I think with like Duck Duck Go and Tor and things like that. Um, and maybe somebody will be able to come up with something that's a little integrated, so more comfortable for the average consumer in that in that area where there's actual software that protects them or keeps them more anonymous. But then you have to at least give the people who provide that some money too. Somehow they've got to be able to be making something. And maybe it's you, you know, maybe people pay don't mind paying for that. Right. I don't know. Right. But it is scary yeah so if this podcast has served just to make you more paranoid than you were before we've done our job good <laughs> uh all right so this has been right attack we've been talking about technology with our guest interrupter dave opperman from colorado <laughs> voice clinic <laughs> we'll see you next time Thank you for listening to The Rika Show. Visit us at rikatech.com for more fun with technology. Catch you next time. <laughs>